Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Good morning. Welcome to Roto Experts in the morning. My name is Tony Sincata, and alongside me, George Kurtz, as we get you ready for Fantasy Baseball 2018. Just days away. Drafts are happening. People are trying to get their last few drafts in, but some people have already drafted. Some people have drafted numerous times. And some people have some problems already, and they'll be hitting the waiver wire tonight. So we got you covered no matter what the heck is going on, George. We do, Tony. I guess that begs the question, how many yearly leagues are you in this season? I'm in five right now, and I think I have two more drafts, which is way more than I've played in a long time. Yeah, exactly. You and I have had this discussion before. It used to be trying to calm down. I'm actually only in four. I have one draft my home league on Wednesday, but uh, I've got it down to four. I'm very proud of myself. I think I've cut the addiction. Yeah, I think I was down like two or three uh, last year. And um, I don't know. It's just like uh, just like everybody else. You just like drafting, right? And then you end up uh, drafting in this league, drafting in this league. And uh, I don't know. All of a sudden you look up and there's five gone. Draft, I mean, the draft is like Christmas morning for adults, right? It's where we get to see our Christmas presents on uh, that more after the draft, what we have, what our teams are. I'm just a big believer that if you play in seven, eight, nine teams, you can't possibly pay attention to them all. Trying to figure out when the waiver wire is going here, and I think it hurts my overall play. So that's why I'm trying to cut it down to only the leagues I really want to play in. You know, it's interesting. That's uh, one of the problems is, is when you play on multiple sites, and you have that one league that's on, you know, like say you play in, let's say you play in five leagues, and you play in four on ESPN and one on Yahoo, just for the sake of argument here. Seems like that Yahoo league is the one that gets neglected. And uh, to be honest, this year, I, you know, I have two NFBC leagues and I have three that are all on fan tracks. So, uh, that ends up being uh, good that I don't have any of those leagues that are, uh, you know, one by itself. Yeah, I guess uh, I know what confuses me is that when you get that one league that's a little uh, little strange rules, uh, the waiver wire is not quite uh, on a Sunday night. I got one league where it's on a Thursday night. That's it. There's no Sunday. It's not Thursday and Sunday, just Thursday. Why? Because the uh, commissioner wants to be different. He said, oh, I'm tired of everybody doing it on the same night. Well, I kind of like the same night. Did I know when to go check my waiver wire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, he and wants that to be different. Screw it up. I hate people that want to be different, and that, that's one of the things I was just going to, just going to talk about, is that, George, I'm noticing a trend, a, a disturbing trend in fantasy baseball. And when I say a disturbing trend, the trend is that I, I am playing in more one-catcher leagues uh, than I'm accustomed to because um, we play in the Greater Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which is a industry, I, I don't know if there's some fans in it or what, in there, but mostly industry. And secondly, is that Fantrax, 
they uh, went one catcher leagues too. And I am not a fan, and I think it dumbs down fantasy baseball. It takes out a strategy element of the draft. I can see your point. I mean, uh, I hate the catching position. I think uh, most people know that by now. Uh, There's too, too many injuries there. They get hit with foul, foul balls. You know, they got to crouch a million times during the summer. Uh, what's the stat that Joe Pizzapia liked to throw out there? Only nine catchers had more than 400 at-bats last year. You're playing in a two-catcher league. Even just a 12-team league, that's 24 catches, man. That second spot becomes a big weight. You know, just a dead weight on your roster. But that, you know, I, that proves my. That's why. I, that's why I'm in favor of it. it Joe's, Joe is against it, and Joe's reasoning is uh, I don't know leaves me skeptical. Um, the, the nine catches you have to decide, right? Do I get two of those catches? Do I get one of those catches? Do I have to pick? Do I just say F it? You know what? They get hurt. That's why I'll make them my last two picks. There's strategy involved in that. Oh yeah, I can't argue that point. I prefer the one catcher. I just hate. I hate catchers. I purely hate that. There's like four go, maybe four or five good ones after that. They all are uh, all in the same bag here. But uh, I, there's certainly strategy to it. You're right, and I am one of those people who, when playing in two catcher leagues, I wait forever. Yeah, you must be uh, one of those guys that like bigger government and everyone's college to be paid for and and all that wow. stuff. Be nice if college was paid for. I saw the bank on that anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, but you know, it's always a, it's always a chance, right? We'll see. My oldest daughter will be in college in seven years, so can we get this fixed in seven years, please? <laughs> I don't have that long. I wish I did. Uh, it's George Kurtz, Tony Sagata. We'll be here till noon Eastern today. And like I said, we're going to spend all three hours on baseball and get you guys ready and get you guys prepared uh, for what's going on in the world. George, are you excited? This is the week that opening day is happening? It's strange, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know me, Tony. I'm, I'm a football guy. I'm a hockey guy, baseball guy. But there is something special about baseball opening day. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe, maybe it's the only thing my father and I agreed on was baseball. So uh, maybe that's part of it. But I love opening day. But, you know, it doesn't hold the same to me this year. Not because it's on a Thursday or because it's still, still snow on the ground here. But because the Yankees are in uh, Toronto. And it's not Canada either. It's that they're, they're going to be in a dome or an artificial turf. I... I love I love watching games in real ballparks and watching a game in a dome on turf. Eh, that sort of takes away some of the magic for me. But at the very least, at least I wanted to worry about the games being, uh, you know, snowed out, rained out, colded yes, out, yeah. whatever it might be. I was gonna say, and you actually, uh, that's gonna be the interesting part for the first week, and we're gonna go through a lot of injuries already that are occurring that are gonna make, lead to some decision making. And you know what, Tony Cicada has on his agenda today to find out. In his leagues, what the first week consists of? Does it go Thursday to exactly, Sunday, yes, or does it go Thursday and then the following week? Because the reason I say that, and you guys need to check your leagues, is during the All Star breaks through a lot of these leagues. I know on ESPN, this is the way it was: is that that three days would be put onto a week after, and you wouldn't get that three day standalone. So check your software and make sure you know what the week consists of. Agreed. Yeah, you have no choice but to do that, and it's a mixed bag because commissioners can set it up either way. Uh, especially on CBS, I know it's easy to do if you want to uh, make that one week, two weeks. Uh, I guess you could combine uh, week one and the All Star week and make one week, but I guess no one wants to wait to find out what happens there. <laughs> no, that would be crazy, George. Imagine that you'd have players out by then or injured, and uh, we'll go there. The biggest injury we've got to talk about: people are drafting today. People are drafting the next couple of days.
What do you do with Madison Baumgartner in a one-year league? Story's out. He's going to be back in June. He missed time last year. And uh, I have some definite feelings on this. Madison Baumgartner, of course, went underwent successful surgery to repair a left fractured pinky finger. What's your thoughts? I mean, I wasn't drafting him anyway. I think the team's a dumpster fire. I think there's a lot of issues in San Fran there. But I kind of find it funny. I mean, almost everybody I'm reading, well, he was top 25 uh, player overall coming into it. Now he's top 50. Really? Like there was a third of the season that's all he drops? I mean, I'm not taking him anywhere near a top 150. Uh, it's his throwing hand. I know it'll probably heal no, but I'm going to chance that. He's going to come back in two months. Be fine. Not to go through spring training again to build up that arm strength. Remember, he can't throw. So aren't we looking at mid-June here? Maybe even the All-Star right before we see him? And now he's still that good? Tony, uh, if, like I said, I took a round 13, 14. He's there for me. It's a gift. Fine, I'll take a shot on him, especially if my league has a DL slot. That's another consideration there. If I was just going to eat up a spot for half a season. But in most leagues, I am not touching him. Let someone else take the chance. I go a little different than George here. A top 50 is insane to me. Um, but there is a time where... The seventh or eighth round, I would start putting him in my queue and start looking for a place here. And my thinking is, I don't think he's going to be out six weeks. It's his pinky. Um, I, 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 he had surgery, but I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't know any pitch you throw that your pinky is involved. I think somebody figures this out, and this guy goes out there and toughs it out. Now, you could say he ain't going to be the same pitch you're playing with a broken finger, and that would probably make some sense. And you might even see him pitch out of the bullpen when he comes back to try to, you know, the wear and tear on the throwing. But I think there's a chance that he gets back earlier. So about the seventh or eighth round, if I don't like the guy on the board when I come to pick, I will pick him. If there's somebody there that I like, I'll pick the other guy. I'll look at the next round. If there's still another guy that I like, I'll pick the other guy. And I'm not going in with the mindset, I'm going to pick Baumgartner here or there. I'm just open to it in the seventh or eighth round. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's back earlier than June. I mean, they're calling it eight weeks. Uh, he's not going to pitch the broken pinky. That's that's nuts. There's no way he's going to pitch out of the bullpen. Come on, that's not going to happen either. There's no Why way. Why would that's he pitch happening. with a broken finger? I mean, you play hurt all the time. Yeah, but it's still in your throwing hand. He's this, I think it would make contact. That's a good the, thing, though, to me, right? Because if it was on his other hand, hands, that'd be a pain in the ass because he'd have to catch the ball a hundred times. Yeah, that you could tough that. You can't. He's, there's no way, Tony. He's not coming back to that finger sealed. And he's not doing it. All right, it, it seems a dumpster fire. He's a mess now. Uh, I have no problem with someone looking for him. You said you start looking for him seventh and eighth round. I don't yeah. have an issue with that. You know, I'm probably not taking to double digit rounds. That's about what yeah. twelve team team. But we're talking pick one twenty. I have I have the one twenty one forty range somewhere around there. There will come a time where he is a value pick, but I don't like the idea of taking somebody. Uh, I mean, once again, seventh, eighth round, to me, that's too valuable a pick. Once you get the double digits, I'm okay with doing it because once I think he should take some dartboard throws or some chance. I shouldn't say dartboard. some chances. And I think he is a chance here, and he's someone who could pay off handsomely. My guess is, though, in a lot of leagues, someone will take it 
where you originally said 7th and 8th. They won't be looking for it in 7th and 8th. They'll be taking him at 7th and 8th because they'll be saying, Bumgartner, you know, all-star, saw a young guy. I can get here as my SP3, and maybe he only misses five, six, seven starts. You know, and they'll be thinking all the optimism here. I'm the exact opposite. I assume the worst, and that's why I'm not doing it. Uh, this is a tough guy, George. He he goes uh, bike. He goes motorcycle riding. He's a hunter. Um, he's gonna be he's gonna be back. You can't let a pinky. How are you a you. tough guy if you're a hunter? Do a deer have guns? Are they shooting back? <laughs> I don't know. He's from Hickory, North Carolina. That's where they they grow him tough out there. He is a, listen. He is a tough guy, and I enjoy watching him pitch. I enjoy watching him hit. Uh, but that being said. Uh, I think part of my problem, I was against, uh, not in Bumgarner, but San Fran anyway, coming into draft season. Now this just makes it all the more. Why, I just want why are you so hostile? Why are you so hostile with the, with the San Francisco Giants? I just think they're, they're sort of put together. The way they're put together, the team is strange. You know, let's trade for McCutcheon, who looks like he's on the downside. Longoria, same thing. They're getting name players who don't have that much left. It sounds good. looks good in the lineup. But overall, I just don't like the direction of this team. Uh, you know, Zamar's years out, too. This team is just going, uh, like I said, to be there an anvil. They're an anvil falling quickly. So, you know, I, we, we did the show yesterday, and um, I did it with uh, Chuk Galina. And we were talking about uh, Evan Longoria. And Evan Longoria is 32 years of age. But he's not really on the downside. I think what happens is that people look at that ballpark, and we just throw up in our mouths out of any pitter going over to that ballpark in San Francisco. And from a fantasy perspective, it's horrible. But if you look at what Longoria has done lately, right? He only hit 20 home runs last year, but just a year ago, 36 home runs in a good pitcher's ballpark in Tampa. Now, San Francisco might be the best pitcher's ballpark. So, I mean, he's done. So he's put up numbers recently. He has. I just don't. I don't think thirty-six home runs is coming again. Uh, that's by far the most in his career. It seems to be that. That's an outlier season. Well, he had, he had thirty-two and thirteen. Yeah. Other than that, generally he's in his twenties. He had thirty-one in two thousand eleven. He does it every other year. <laughs> oh, is that what we're going by? The every other year the category. Okay, all right, that's good. Uh, yeah, actually, it's funny. I think he has done it every other year. Now that I look at thirty-three, thirty-one, thirty-two. Oh, fine. He's gonna be but- magic this year. I think what happens, though, is we, we, we look at this ballpark in San Francisco, and I think this is the same with McCutcheon and Longoria and anyone that goes over there, is that we automatically just discount people that play in that ballpark. And, I, and I'm not saying it's the wrong move either. Um, it's that ballpark just kills a lot of fly balls, unless you're Barry Bonds. Well, for left, I mean, for right, uh, for right-handers, it's actually... It's okay. It's no worse than Tampa Bay, except with except the air. The heavy air will knock the ball down there. But uh, as far as distance, it's the same as, uh, or pretty much the same as Tampa. But if you're an opposite field hitter or you're a left-hander, you're going to try to hit the ball to right center. Good luck to you. That ball's not going anywhere. That's very sad, George, because people love offense. Last year in Major League Baseball, San Francisco was the worst park in Major League Baseball for home runs. And Tropicana Field was number 22. Uh, there, so uh, it's a sad, it's a downgrade, but he was not in a hitter's paradise to begin with. No, you know, Trevor was that the worst, worst ball outside maybe Oakland, worst stadium in baseball? Anyone? Well, it's very beautiful, um, but uh, it's Tropicana, not for, not for home runs. It's not, uh, it's not no, beautiful no, no, anyway. No, San Francisco is beautiful. Oh, 
San Francisco is beautiful. It's a great stadium. Why they made it? Not, I guess the, you know, I, I wish people would think a little bit, you know, when they make the ballpark because they made it for Barry Bonds. I understand that, but did you think he was going to play forever? And now you got to live with this Grand Canyon. Same thing with Miami. They they really built that for Giancarlo Stanton. He's gone for two years. Maybe they can go get some pitches now. Maybe they get rid of that thing in left center field. I really want that thing gone. Oh, I, I think Gita it's gone. said he's going to get rid of it. Is it? Oh, that's the. Gr- you oh know, no, how- actually, I, I don't oh, know if it's really you're gone because me the, now. because there was a government. The the government uh, got involved and they wanted to keep it, and they Why? paid for. It. They pay. I have no idea, George. I just report the facts. Why would the government want to keep this thing? I mean, think about it. Revenue wise, aren't it. you taking away a gazillion seats? No. Well, George, are you kidding me? I think they have like 48,000 empty seats there. I'm not saying people would come. I'm saying you're taking away seats. <laughs> they want to clean it. They wanted it to be an art and deco community, and they like the ballpark to represent the art and deco community. That thing has got to be the, the worst, literally, the worst, as far as stadiums go. They got rid of Howell's Hill, whatever they called that thing in Houston, thank God. Uh, so now this thing's got to be the worst thing in a stadium in baseball by far. You're listening to the Roto Experts in the morning. We're getting you ready. Fantasy Baseball 2018. We're coming back. We're talking about a bird, not Mark Fidrich, because that show would be 20 years old. Stay tuned. And fly. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, Roto Experts in the Morning. I'm George Kurtz, joined by Tony Sincata. I believe next week Scott Engel will be taking over the, uh, the show along with myself as uh, Tony's covering for Scott. How nice of Tony to, uh, to do that for us as Scott is getting a one-week one week bye, uh, Mr. Engel, before the king takes over next week, Tony. The king, the king, the king and I. You know what's crazy is uh, Pete Considori. Yeah, Pete Considori, he's the man in charge here, getting it done. Pete, you know what's what's great about life? Yeah. Uh, when it doesn't snow. Can you yeah. promise the people there won't be no snow on I, Thursday? I, I can't promise that, but I'm hoping. I'm really hoping. <laughs> I'm so done with the snow. Opening day's Thursday. We don't need it. It's spring. Enough's enough. All right. Pete Considori, guy here, getting it done every Saturday and Sunday for the people. He's a man of the people. Now, Greg Bird. Greg Bird, of course, the Yankees' first baseman. He has results from an MRI and a CT scan that says his right foot. It's just inflamed, George. It's not an issue. I don't 
think Greg Bird is a great player by any stretch of the imagination. I think a lot of people overdrafted him this year. Now he's got injuries. How do you see this playing out with Bird? No, he's flipping everybody the Bird right now if you drafted him early. Uh, that's a problem. I mean, they could say all they want. Listen, you're going to hear nothing but optimism right now. This is this, I mean, it's almost the exact same scenario as last year, isn't it? All right, once again, oh, no big deal. Foot injury, he'll be okay day to day. You know, then all of a sudden, day to day, turning the week to week, and then it's month to month, and then they don't really know. Now he went to go see. He's going to go see the same specialist who did the surgery. So we really need to see a, take a wait and see approach here. If I'm drafting tonight, I know first base gets really thin really quickly, but he's becoming more of a hope and prayer now for me that maybe he plays 140 games, maybe. You know, I don't think it's going to be one DL stint or a short DL stint if he, the, uh, the injury is more serious. You know, maybe he's got to go. They got to go back in there and take a look. Uh, it took a long time. Like I'm mean, talking months before that anyone figured out what, what exactly was wrong with his foot last year. I don't think I'm, I don't think I can draft Greg Bird tonight unless uh, unless his price comes to me. Now, say Bird starts the year on the disabled list for the Yankees. How do you see them setting up? their lineup. There's a lot of movable pieces here. Do you see them going to a Tyler Austin? Do you see them going uh, and putting uh, one of their outfielders at first base? How do you see this playing out? It won't be an outfielder at first base. I mean, they, they don't have anyone there who's played first. Hicks, Judge, Stanton, Gardner certainly not playing first base. Ellsbury, here's your first baseman. Now, it'll be a platoon, I would imagine, between Tyler Austin and Neil Walker. Walker has played first base. I think he'd play versus righties. And Tyler Austin would play versus lefties. Tyler Wade would uh, become more of a the full-time second baseman there. Not Maybe not splitting time with Neil Walker. I wonder if Brandon Drury could also be in, in play here and then them bringing up Miguel Andujar earlier than they expected. You know, or even Gleyber Torres, I think he could play third base. That would be something you might look at in mid-April once uh, Torres passes that, uh, you know, that extra year of control there. That's when he becomes in play for the Yankees there. But my initial reaction would be, assuming Bird starts the season at least on the DL, Tyler Ross and Neil Walker in a platoon is what the Yankees would see. And, of course, the Yankees outfield uh, has been much speculation. Uh, it was reported Jacoby Ellsbury won't be ready for opening day, will be ready. He'll be all over the place. I look at this outfield, and I think that what we're going to see is that I, I, I don't think Judge and Stanton will be in the outfield too many times at the same uh, One of them will end up at being at DH, I would think. And... Hicks is a guy that I think will bat leadoff against left-handed pitchers, and I believe Godner will bat leadoff against right-handed pitchers. How do you see this playing out? Uh, Ellsbury's really not in the mix here, even when healthy. He will start the season on with DL. The Yankees said that yesterday. Uh, I think this will be the Yankees trend. <laughs> so don't just trying Ellsbury, just you know, go with DL. Get healthy. We'll see in June. You know, they'd like him to be out as long as possible. He really can't help this team. Uh, if Clint Frazier was around, he might have gotten a platoon situation there. Some with Hicks. That could have happened there. Uh, I think you're, what you said is correct, with the exception of when the Yankees play in small left fields. Think Fenway Park, Camden Yards, for ballparks like that. Then you will see Stanton play a little bit out there in, uh, in left field, especially versus left hand pitchers. I think they'd like to get Gardner maybe out of the lineup completely against some left-handers there and put in, uh, like I said, that Frazier would have been perfect there. Uh, so I think that's a situation you could see. It could also be a situation where maybe Gary Sanchez takes a break. If Stanton can play left, Stanton uh, and Sanchez can DH and you don't lose Stanton. And Gardner's the one who leaves there. I think I don't think Hicks is going to lead off all that much. I think it will be Gardner versus right-handers. They did try Aaron Judge versus a uh, leading off versus a left-hander. That does make some sense with his uh, over 400 OBP. I think they'll try that 
whether it'll work or not. I think I think who's batting first against left-handers is still a work in progress here. So you don't think it'll be Hicks? I think he'll get a shot, but I don't think he's the kind of guy you want up there, and he has not had a good spring. Uh, so I don't think he's the kind. I don't know if the Yankees have a perfect guy, that perfect leadoff guy. I, I said I, I expect them all to get a shot. I wouldn't I'd be surprised if Brandon get, uh, Jury gets a shot, if Walker gets shot, Hicks, Judge. Uh, and in the end, it just might be Gardner. If he's playing, he might be the guy. But uh, I don't think he's the perfect solution either here. I don't know if the Yankees have one. What do you think of Aaron Judge? What do you think is his batting average is this year? I think it's going to go down a little bit from last year. Uh, I just that'd be a feeling uh, that he's going to go down a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to hit forty plus home runs. I don't think to say fifty home runs is a little ridiculous, but I think he'll hit forty. He hits home runs by accident. I mean, yeah. same thing with Stanton. They're so strong. They don't even have, they don't have to square it up. Especially now he's behind the ball. He hit the Yankee Stadium. Ball's going to fly. But I do, do think his average comes down to where, for fantasy purposes, doesn't hurt you, doesn't help you. That sort of thing. And OBP is a monster because he's going to walk a ton. Especially as the umpires adjust how tall he is and they don't call that low strike on him. So I think his average comes down. I think he's going to hit 40-plus home runs. He'll drive in more than his share of runs. Uh, he stole some bases last year, too. So even that he's, uh, can help out a little bit. Aaron Judge will be fine. He struck, yeah, he stole nine bases, but he strikes out 30% of the time, and he has a batted balls in play that's an inflated. I, I would think he's a 230-240 hitter. See, I don't, because uh, watching Joe, I'm, I'm the Yankee fan, watching him game in, game out, a lot of the, uh, not a lot, but some of those strikeouts are in balls that they're not strikes. They're just not, but umpires are calling the strike on a, what it would be on a six-foot person, not a guy who's six seven. You know, I think the umpires will adjust to that, and they won't call as many. I think Judge will get better, too. Remember, last year he was a rookie. He'll get better as well. By better, I mean he'll put more balls in play. He's not going to hit 60 home runs or bat 310. That's not going to happen. I don't think he falls to the 230, 240 range. Not at this point in his career. When he gets older, I think he will. Don't you think that he has the perfect storm? Everything went perfect for him. We see a lot of guys in their second year regress. Did he go perfect? He was hurt the second half of last year. So I, don't well, think I mean, when he played, I mean, when he played, everything was perfect. It was, I mean, the guy struck out 31% of the time. And hit 284. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. That's a lot. That's an inflated bit. A bit. I mean, when that ball's in play, he's getting hit. That's also, also when he puts the ball in play, he hits the ball hard and long and far. And there's, a, there's, to there's, get. there's so many other guys that do the same thing that don't have that batting average. I, I said I don't think he'll bat 284. I think he's going to bat around 270. You know, 260 somewhere in that range. I think he's going to drop more. 50 points. No, I don't think he yeah. drops 50 points. I do. I, I do. I think the strikeouts could rise. He does a good job at taking pitches, and that's going to be interesting to see with another big bat like Giancarlo Stanton on how many, um, what his walk rate is this year and how many walks he gets, if it changes at all with Stanton now in that lineup. It could, right? Because Pitts sort of picked their death. You want to walk Judge? Assuming Stanton's batting right behind him, which I think is what Boone wants to do. Okay. Now you're putting a free runner on base with Stanton, who's the same exact guy. You think, you know, Judge, they could both sit the ball 500 feet. So that will be interesting here. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I think he might put bat Judge first. Because you, you walk Judge, well, all of a sudden got a man on base, nobody out for Stanton. Could be a quick 2 nothing lead for the Yankees. So Judge last year was second in the league in hard hit rate. And this is the this is the perfect example of two guys. You know who was first? I mean, I would have said Stanton offhand. Uh, it was Joey Gallo. Oh, okay, doesn't surprise and me. Jo- no, but Joey Gallo strikes out a lot, 
and and the, those are the two guys there. It's, it's interesting, though. The, here's the top five in hot hit rate in Major League Baseball for the 2017 season. Gallo, Judge, Goldsmith, Seager, and Nick Castellanos. That tells me you can't draw anything from the hot hit rate because we have five very different skill sets of those players right there. Which Seager? Kyle or Corey? Corey. Okay. Just wanted to make, wanted to make sure it was Corey and not Kyle. That would have been yeah. a surprise there. Yeah, Castellanos, he probably doesn't get enough love for what he can do. You know, maybe are we down on the, on the Tigers because you know, they traded everybody away? They're going to be a bad team. Miguel Caprera is not the same player. Victor Martinez is pretty much a witness protection. Uh, oh, I'm telling you right now, damage. I, I think there's another mistake by fantasy owners. If you are playing in deep leagues, like are you play in 12 to 15 team leagues and you have 30 guys on your team, people should not be ignoring Victor Martinez. He hits fourth in a lineup, right? He hits fourth in a lineup. Not a great lineup, but he hits fourth. You look at this guy, and he hit 27 home runs in 2016. Um, he hit 289. You pick a guy in the last round, you can just cut him if it ain't working out. And I see some of the guys being picked in the last round. Victor Martinez is being a guy that shouldn't be ignored. I agree. I like Victor Martinez. But I'm very well aware that... I think Victor Martinez, when he plays, he'll be fine. The question is, how often is he going to play? You know, I think he is well, breaking he, down. He's 38 years old. Yeah, so he's going to play. Games. Every day he's healthy. It's just how, you know, when he's not on the DL. I mean, being the DH is going to have its advantages. He's never going to play a position at all. Who would you rather have, uh, Victor Martinez in the 25th round or Kennedy Morales in the 17th round? I'm not so sure you get Morales in the 17th round. Uh, Morales had a terrible spring. He, uh, yeah, he's the better hitter at this point, but I would pro- I mean, at those prices, actually, with the 17th round, I'm taking Morales. I think that's almost a gift. Yeah, he's been dropping in drafts. I mean, the, both of those guys haven't been uh, drafted. I played in a two-utility league, and I think I picked them as my last two hitters. Now, well, let me ask you a question about utility strategy here. Are you one of those guys who you hate tying it up with, uh, you know, uh, the Morales type, Victor Martinez, Hanley Ramirez, if they don't qualify in another position? Or are you just, hey, best player available? That's who I could take, and I don't care if he has a position or not. Yeah, just best best player available. I uh, it used to be, it used to be better when you had a, a DH such as like a David Ortiz, because you'd get a little bit of a bargain on a guy like that because people would be afraid to tie up the DH. But it's crazy. I don't think we have one of those anymore. Like, who, who is the best DH only? Yeah, you know, you're right. We don't have it anymore. You know, there's, there's, not, there's nowhere near it, David Ortiz. And there's no Hall of Fame player, player out there who's, uh, you know, oh, my God, this guy's available in round five because no one wants a type of DH. I used to have Ortiz on my team, all my teams, because everyone felt the same way. You, you can give him round five. The guy's got 30-plus home runs, 100-plus RBIs, bat whatever, to, uh, 280, 290. He was, he was great for fantasy because everyone was afraid of tying up that DH slot. I'm the same as you. I don't care. If the best player available happens to be a DH and DH only, I don't care. That's the guy I want. I want the numbers. I was thinking about this. David Dahl. What do you what do you think on David Dahl? David Dahl sat down to the minders yesterday. Uh, I, I believed in him last year. He had the, uh, I think it was a back injury that pretty much took away his entire season. Uh, so he didn't play in the majors, uh, did hit some in the minors at the end of the year. I think coming into this year, we knew it was going to be a problem with Dahl. That how often he was going to play, and now they signed. Uh, once they signed Carlos Gonzalez, there was no room for him. You knew he was going but away. Even, 
it was crazy to me, though, because he missed the whole year. I thought there was no chance he was making this team before Carlos Gonzalez. Yet every draft I was in, he was being drafted ahead of Tapia. He was drafted ahead of Para, And I'm like, he's not going to start the year in the majors. People, are they going to hang on him for a month, for two months? Because they're going to get him some everyday at-bats. I mean, he missed the whole season. You look at it. I mean, this is a National League team, folks. No DH here. You know, you, you got Para, Blackman, Gonzalez, Desmond. You know, that's, those are four outfields. First, you know, Davis is going to play some first base. McMahon, now, how, how, what do they do with him? Uh, he's got the Carlos, too, I think. Yeah, I think he is as well. Because I think, once again, he's top prospects. You have to have him play every day. That's what I would do as well. Uh, I understand Carlos Gonzalez came at, you know, was it $5 million, $7 million, whatever. It's a discount price, so they felt they had to bring him back. And I'm not saying it's the wrong move for Colorado, but it killed you know, Dahl and McMahon, uh, probably not in that order, probably the reverse order, because they don't need them now. They, can, they need an injury now to play. The problem is that people don't realize that Colorado did a bad job of putting this together because they're all left-handed hitters. Like, you can't even set up a platoon. Parra is a lefty, Tappy is a lefty, Gonzalez is a lefty, and Dahl's a lefty. I mean, you can't even platoon these guys. Yeah, and so, so is McMahon. The only, the only righties there are, uh, yeah. what, Desmond? I got Desmond's the only right of these guys. Not even Blackman's a lefty. Well, you're not taking Blackman out of the lineup anyway. They're all lefties. You're right. Not even you know, no switch hitters, no nothing. So uh, listen, I think Dahl is a great talent. I, was, I think at this point he could be a better player than Gonzalez than Barra. You know, maybe even Desmond. I'm not sold on him either. But these guys just don't have a place to play. Would you uh, how, how, would you be keeping him on your roster despite him being sent to the minus? Uh, not in a, no, not in a three-five man bench. If we're a deeper bench, you play one of those teams that have seven bench and or plus. Sure, then then I might. But you you already said that it's it's the game of okay. When's enough enough? Is it a month? Six weeks? Two months? Memorial Day? When's enough enough? I got to play that game. I don't mind really doing it. And listen, you're in a deep draft, Tony. Yeah, you know, 28, 29 round. You want to take him fine, but then I'm automatically looking you know, week one, week two for that hot player, and he's the guy that's going anyway. But you want to take a dartboard throw early, see if someone does get hurt first week of the season or whatever. I'm okay with that, but he's going to be the first guy off my roster. Well, I just seen an overreaction to the Madison Baumgartner injury. I see a trade on Facebook: Marwin Gonzalez and Madison Baumgartner for Luke Weaver. Ooh. I wouldn't have done that either. I'd rather be on the uh, the Bumgarner side there. I may be yeah, down on Bumgarner, but you know, I think the worst case scenario is pretty much June. So uh, no, I you, wouldn't have done that. You could actually make the argument that Marvin Gonzalez is better than Luke Weaver. I was thinking the same thing. You make an argument. I'd rather have Marvin Gonzalez alone. Uh, I don't think he's getting enough love here. I don't know if he's going to be the exact player he was last year, but you have to love the positional flexibility. I mean, where doesn't he qualify at? Catcher. I mean, he's all over the place here. I think the power is somewhat legit there. He's a player you can use. And Luke Weaver, we don't know what, what he's going to become here. I don't think he's going to be an ace, an SP1, maybe an SP3. I'll, Marvin Gonzalez Weaver sounds like a fair trade right there. Then you throw in Bumgarner for two-thirds of the season? I'll take that. That's not crazy. I'll Good tell work. you right now, we got to get these guys figured out. And we got two hours and 40 minutes, 20 minutes. We got time to f- help everybody out, man. We could figure it out for them. Well, that's what we're here for. Tony. That is our job. I also see this guy on Facebook asking, is Archie Bradley the closer? And then uh, for Arizona, and then other people are answering with nonsensical answers. And it's pretty funny. They must not like this guy. 
<laughs> They're not telling Fernando Rodney's still closing. No. Stay tuned for more right here on the Roto Experts in the Morning. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. Real experts in the morning. He is George Kurtz. My name is Tony Cicada. We are here absolutely getting it done. And getting it done is the way the Toronto Blue Jays are going to try to do it opening day against the New York Yankees. And one of the guys they brought in this offseason uh, isn't being talked about a lot, and that's Young Jevis Salate, who had a tough spring season, but they went 4-4, four for four, two RBIs in grapefruit action. He will get the go opening day uh, with Troy Tulowitzki out. Any love for Salate? He's a guy that I tried to draft in these 50-team leagues because he's eligible at second, short, and third. 50-round leagues. Tulowitzki's hurt, Tony? You're kidding. No. This is yeah, so disappointing. That... So surprising. Uh, Salate, uh... Anderson, he goes to a nice one of the one of the best hitters ballparks in the American League, playing on turf. Uh, I I love the positional flexibility as well. I think people sometimes go a little bananas about that, though. I mean, we love it, but I don't overrate. Also, I'm going to move him up my draft board, you know, three rounds because he can play second, short, third. But it's nice to have on your roster, especially when the injuries hit here. That does make does make him more valuable to me. He's played in the American League before, started with the Yankees, so I'm not as worried about switching leagues. I am somewhat worried about switching leagues. That always bothers me because I think it takes some players longer to adjust than others, uh, especially going up to Canada here. But if he can somehow make it a full-time job, which I understand gets tricky, you know, if Devin Travis plays well for second base, once Tulowitzki comes back before he gets hurt again, you know, we know he's not going to play much third with Josh Donaldson there. But if he can, you know, get 500 at-bats, same as last year, we got 512, I think 20-plus home runs are coming. You know, the RBIs will be uh, representative. It's average. I think could be an average where, you know, maybe it hurts you a tick. Not major. I don't think it's about 230, but I could see, you know, 250, 252, somewhere around there. But still, he's a player I'd like for a middle infield position. I'd love him. You're a Salate. It sounds like a good name, too, right? <laughs> it does sound like a Salate. I mean, uh, I don't know. What is it? Solo Sun? Is that what it means? Anybody? I. I have no idea. It's a great question. Do you think it means something significant? Well, I guess that depends on what uh, significant means to you. Um, uh, That's a good question. Solate. 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 Maybe it doesn't mean anything. It means crap. 
<laughs> what do you think of that? I re I re that uh, his well, when I meant prepared. crap, I meant it didn't have a, uh, a special ah, meeting. Ah, no, it looks like it doesn't have a special meeting. Oh well. It's very sad. It sounds it sounds better than it is. It's just like real life. It's like when you watch the Obby's commercial and you go and get a beef and cheddar, and then you realize it's not that great. Oh, they don't but have. It look good. I used to love Arby's. <laughs> Man, they don't have any around here. I, mean, I got like all the way. I got to go all the way to Queens. I think if I want an Arby's. Danny Duffy left Saturday's game against the Diamondbacks with left shoulder tightness. He is the slated to be the Royals' opening day starter. The team says it's precautionary, and I got to tell you, if he doesn't, if he does pitch opening day, do you throw him in your lineup knowing that? You know, five days ago, he left the start with a shoulder situation. Well, wouldn't that depend on, once again, is it a four-day week or an 11-day week? You know, which kind of week are we playing in here? I think if it's a four-day week, I'm probably leaning no. If it's 11, I'm probably leaning yes, because he's going to make at least two starts. You know, so I think I had to take the shot there that uh, he goes on Thursday and hopefully goes well. Uh, now he's playing the White Sox. You know, they, they could do some damage hitting. So, uh, but both, uh, you know, it's going to be a little cold there, too. So maybe it's uh, more of a pitcher's day than a, uh, than a hitter's day. I'm leaning yes right now, Tony. I'm going to start him. But this will be a situation where I will pay attention to. Because odds are if I'm not starting someone like Duffy, then I'm probably uh, – the way I draft my teams is – I don't tend, tend to take a lot of backup starting pitchers because they're usually terrible. You know, SP4s or 5s for their major league team, and I, they're going to wreck my ratios. I generally go with top setup guys, you know, hoping to protect my ratios, maybe uh, pick up a decent amount of strikeouts anyway, and uh, that occasional save there. So it, it might come down to someone like Duffy or an Andrew Miller type for me, or Batantis or Robertson, whatever it might be, someone like that. So that's what I'll have to weigh here. I think, you know, if it's a four-day week, I'm probably going the Robertson route. You know, it's real interesting with with Duffy. Uh, you mentioned the start in Chicago. Uh, if it's cold, though, it might be hard to uh, loosen up that shoulder. Loosen up. Loosen up. Uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it's, it's, you can't argue that. Uh, except if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if you're playing you know, one of those leagues where it's just four days, I'm probably going to sit him because I might also think, oh, I could just go five innings. Is it really worth risking You know that he doesn't pitch at all, pitches poorly just for that five innings? You know, they're going to be cautious with them. The Royals aren't going anywhere this year anyway, so they're going to play it safe with Duffy. Uh, so I would look into that as well. But if it's uh, your 11-day week, if they're counting next week too in your league, I am more than likely starting. If, start, if Duffy started with KC, he's starting for me. And then Jake Arrieta, uh, he took forever to sign a contract, and now he's a little bit behind. He will make his debut on April 8th. Yeah, I mean, um, in some ways that's not a bad thing. Because someone like that, I really usually equate this with someone who's injured. Arietta wasn't injured, but sort of the same thing, where he's going to make one start, it's going to be delayed. But I like the fact that it's going to be on a Sunday, because at the end of the week, so I don't have to start him, and I probably won't in overwhelming majority of leagues. But at least I get to see him pitch. I get to see him pitch on that Sunday for free, and then make my evaluation if, if I should start him the next week. You know, If he pitches well, if he looks good, fine. Does he still look like he's behind, or the uh, Phillies baby him, and only going 80 pitches, five innings, whatever it is? Does his stuff look good? At least I, get, I sort of get that free evaluation. The Rangers released Barcelo Colon and his $1.75 million he was due. They don't have to pay him. And this guy's got a lot of families. I don't understand why they wouldn't give him his money. He's got a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, Bartolo Colon. Is he done? Is he finally done, Tony, or is someone else going to pick him up? I think he's finally done. 
44-year-old Bartello Colon. Sayonara, but he was a man that got the most out of his ability. Absolutely. A guy with Justin, right? One time was a flamethrower. In the last couple of years, he, just, he throws one pitch. No, he throws a fastball. Just you know, different speeds, different places, different locations. But that's all he throws. So uh, good for him making it this long. Uh, he's sort of been a, a, a pop icon, a pop hero. Everybody loves him when he pitches for him. Met fans absolutely uh, loved him. I'll tell you one thing. With pitching throughout baseball, you see some of these rotations, it wouldn't shock me if he pops up again. Come on. Really? Have you seen who's throwing from Miami? Well, they have Dan Straley out. Jose Urena, what's wrong with him? What's right with him? <laughs> he's not a bad pitcher. No, he's, he's not. not but it's, and these, I mean, this Miami, it's, well, I don't want to pick on the Marlins here, but their their rotation is pathetic. I you mean, Urena, Despagne, like, Nicolino, Caleb, Jacob Turner. Ugh. Justin Nicolino is amazing that he is a Major League Baseball prospect because Justin Nicolino can't strike out T-ballers. And it's crazy that he goes out there and he puts that many balls in play. Justin Nicolino's strikeout was 4.86 last year, and his walk rate is 3.75. So he's pretty close to walking as many guys as he strikes out, and yet he has a Major League career. Isn't it tough to strike out a T-ball? They, they put the ball in a T. I know. I know. It's crazy, they right? They didn't do that when I played t- when I played ball at that age, man. We Me either. Pitchers. Yeah. Kids nowadays, they were too easy. What do you think about that? Do you think that's why they got soft? I think there's a lot of reasons why they got soft. I, I can't stand this thing where, you know, oh, it drives me insane, participation trophies and all this other crap. I mean, uh, what, what's wrong with failure? Doesn't that motivate you to get a little better? Maybe you're not meant to play baseball, you know, or hockey or football, basketball, whatever it might be. Maybe you're just not meant to be. Yeah, that's all right. Not everybody's good at everything. We got to coddle every child. No, it's okay. You did great. No, maybe you just suck and you should try something else. Why do you think that is? Uh, I Why? I guess the culture in this country now where, you know, everybody's equal, all this other crap, uh, you know, I, I guess no one wants to be told that, that, hey, you're not good at something. You failed at something. No one wants to ever be told that. It's, uh, I don't know. But I think we all want to be blinded to the truth. How about blinded by the light? Wrapped up like a douche and all a runner in the night. Blinded by the light. Remember that song? He swears that's wrapped up like a douche, by the way. The car, not douche, but certainly <laughs> sounds like douche. Manfred Mann, baby. Uh, you like Manfred Mann? I like a couple of two of his songs. That's one of them. But they had a big interview with him that, uh, oh, yeah, that's wrapped up like a deuce. The old, uh, I guess, I don't know what kind of car it was. I guess a sports car back in the day. But uh, that's what he swears that it is. But, man, if it is, that deuce does sound like douche in that song a lot. That's not good. That That's not good. I'll tell you what. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about Manfred Mann. I like the Bruce yeah. Springsteen version better myself. I didn't even know Spring- Springsteen had a version. Oh, yeah, come on, man. How come? I didn't know. That's uh, sir. I had no idea uh, Springsteen did a cover of uh, Blinded by the Light. Yeah, he does Blinded by the Light. You got you to gotta keep up with these things, George. You got to keep up with Springsteen covers. Okay, I'm going to get ready. I'll tell you, next commercial break, I will listen to Springsteen's cover of Manfred Man. Of Blinded by the Light? Because they don't have any other song, right? 
Who's the Springsteen guy? <laughs> Who's the? Does Manfred Mann have any other songs? I think he has one that I can remember that uh, I don't know if I'd call it a hit, but I guess one that was uh, decent, but I don't remember it offhand. Blinded by the Light would be the only tune I could, off the top of my head that I can tell you about. The Milwaukee Brewers have a lot of outfielders, and they uh, lessened it by one yesterday. Keon Broxton sent to AAA Colorado. And uh, Broxton's a guy, it's funny. People would thought that Domingo Santana was going to be traded uh, to try to bring in a pitcher, which I'm sure the Brewers try to do. But as George said, there's not a lot of great pitching around. Uh, I don't think they're going to, people are going to be giving it away. And actually, the Brewers found out that more people wanted Keon Broxton than Domingo Santana. Um, he's in the minors here, and the Brewers still have a wealth of outfielders. Yeah, I, you know, I think you and I discussed this, or Scott and I discussed this. I don't understand what the Brewers did this offseason. I'm not knocking the Yelich, acquiring Yelich or acquiring Lorenzo Cain. But on both occasions, Tony, once I saw the, the okay, you got Lorenzo, you signed Lorenzo Cain, you traded for Yelich, I was waiting for the secondary trade. Okay, when's Broxton going? When's Santana going? Uh, I certainly didn't think Ryan Braun would be going. But when's the secondary trade here? You know, what's going on? You don't need more outfielders. Yes, your team's better, you know, marginally better, but you need pitching. You don't have any pitching. So I kept waiting for that trade of, for a pitcher, and it never occurred. To me, this is what gets GMs fired. You have a wealth of talent in the outfield, wealth of talent there. You didn't really need it, but you, you know, you're, you're loaded there. But your pitching is Chase Anderson, your, your top starter, Zach Davies, Jacine, Suda. Wood, you're not winning a division with this. I don't care when Jimmy Nelson comes back. That's not going to win you a division. That's starting five here. So, well, what are you going to hope? You're going to bludgeon teams to death and win a lot of 13, 10 games? Because that's what they're going for. Here's, here's how I think it's going to play out in Milwaukee. I think you're going to see four guys occupy three spots for a lot of that. And the exception is Ryan Braun will play first base on days there's a left-handed pitcher. And Eric Thames will sit on those days. And I think that all of them will get 500 at bats, but who sits first? Right-handers. Uh, well, I don't think I don't. I think they'll take. I don't think there'll be a certain guy. I think Braun will play every day against right-handers, but I think that uh, they'll all play except for Thames against right-handers. But against lefties, I think it's going to rotate. Ryan Braun won't sit though. Because he's he's got like a, a 350 career average against lefties. I mean, uh, I think uh, right now the plan is for lefties that Braun will play first base. If they think they said that, yeah. so Thames will be out. So that solves the problem there. But against righties, I, mean, I guess you're going to rotate it. Santana sits some, yeah. Braun sits some, yeah. Kane sits some. Uh, yeah. That that's not going to go. That generally doesn't work. Now, not when you well, got these guys who have established players. Uh, I don't. Good luck there. Well, you want to keep Ryan Braun healthy. He's been in the last couple of years. He's said, "Oh, he'll get hurt time. to solve this problem eventually." That's true. Saw so, saw so some time there, uh, but Yelich and Kane certainly want they they'll, they'll be wanting to play every day. But uh, it, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy there in Milwaukee, and uh, I don't see anyone giving up a pitcher for any of those uh, for Santana or Broxton, a pitcher of substance. Here's the next question. What happens if Braun is a complete dumpster fire at first base? And he's just a nightmare defensively, which he very well may. He, say, he already stated he's not comfortable there. He stated this. Uh, that that well, tells me all I need to know about him playing first. Well, he's almost 40, and he, and he never played. So I, I get that. Like, he'd be uncomfortable, right? But I saw Ryan Braun playing 
college, right? And he was a shortstop. And I, I'm of the opinion that, you know what, any knucklehead could play first base. You just go over there and you cover the base and they throw you the ball. Yeah, ball's down on the ground. You might not get them all. But there's a lot of guys that play first base regularly that don't catch them. And, in <laughs> fact, a lot of teams have terrible first basemen. They do. You're right. I mean, uh, I think first base is a little bit harder than what you're trying to say. But uh, I think of all the infield positions, it is the easiest infield position. Uh, what are you talking about? You know? well, we're in Little League. Everybody puts a big fat kid at first base. Yeah, but nobody could hit back in Little League. And certainly there weren't too many. How many lefties were you all facing in Little League, by the way? I want to count those guys on one hand, uh, left-handed What batters. do you mean? The little? So basically what you're saying there was no left-handed pitchers in Little League. Well, what would happen? A left-handers had to stay in and join the Boy Scouts? I guess so. I, I don't think the parents let left-handers. Maybe that was a big thing back in the 70s. You left-handers can't play baseball. Because I, <laughs> there weren't many left-handers, man. You're talking, your Little League, they were left- I mean, I can remember, literally, honestly, one. And my brother's left-handed, by the way, but I never played with him. Uh, yeah, we had, there was a one guy, uh, Dominic Tarko. He was good. But he's the only left-handed I can remember that I actually well, played well, against regularly. Sure. How can you be in your 40s and remember how many righties and lefties you faced in Little League? Because I can hit uh, left-handers. I, there is something to I can actually see the ball and hit. I couldn't hit a right-hander to save my life. But a left-hander, I could hit. So you look forward to Derek Tomazani, whoever he was, pitching? <laughs> yes, uh, Derek Tomazani, or that lovely day. Yes, I did look forward. Because I, I guess you can see the ball better. There, there is, it's very true about that. You can see the ball come out of his hand much better from the opposite side. The Red Sox signed Christian Vasquez to a three-year deal. Uh, Vasquez, uh, known as a defensive catcher, a three-year contract with the Boston Red Sox. Yay. I mean, uh, nice for the Red Sox. Fantasy-wise, I don't think there's really all that much there, except in Tony's favorite two-catcher league. Then he's somebody you might want to look at there. But uh, I don't know if he's ever going to have a full-time job there. We do love the ballpark. But uh, good for the Sox. Fantasy-wise, eh, meh. It's interesting that they gave a three-year deal and uh, Blake Swihart played so well in the spring and former number one draft pick. Well, don't they want to move Swihart all over the place to make him sort of a super utility guy? Not so sure that's yeah, going to work yeah. out either. They already have one of those with Nunez, or don't they? Right. How many, how, how, many, can. How, many, how many are you going to have? I guess maybe you think it is, you know, Pedroia's now, Nunez's got to play second base, but that's what Nunez really is, a good uh, second, short, third, outfield in a pinch. You know, so uh, I don't think you need more than one of those on your team. But, uh, hey, two, three, got Brock Holt, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. One hour down, two hours to go. Roto Experts in the morning. If you don't get yourself excited, get some jelly.